Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Oh man, this morning, first service was really good. How many of you guys have never been to this church before? You're brand new. Hello, one, a couple people, a couple people, awesome. Phew. All right, love it. Bold, sit in the front. Bold move. Splash zone, the Holy Ghost splash zone is right here. It's like on SeaWorld, right? It's, come on, have you guys been to SeaWorld? Like the first seven rows, like, and people don't really believe it. Like, no, nah, really, splash zone, really? And then like, it, it never fails. I've been there two or three times. It never fails when that tail just starts going, whoosh. First couple of times, like, oh, that's cute. There's water coming up. And then the, like, the, the whale gets really into it. You guys know what I'm talking about? It never fails. Like two or three people just like, oh. There's like, it's like the walk of shame, except there's no shame in Christ. But like, they're walking like, like drenched with their phones. They're like, I didn't think it was that wet. Anyway, all right, sorry. <laughs> I'm working on this guy's stuff. Pops into my head and I just say it. I need to be like, just filter. All right. Um, I want to do, I want to reiterate something really powerful that um, the Shrams did an incredible job um, announcing uh, is next week, are we going to have service here? No. Are we going to have service here? No. Very good. So I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through this really quick. This is Corona Del Mar Beach. All right. It's a beautiful little diagram. At the top, you see free parking. It's hard to see it, but there's free parking above the beach area. If you want to do free parking, that's where you park. If you want to pay for parking and not have to walk very far because you're a prince or a queen of God um, and, and you just know God's going to provide for you if you pay for parking, it's up to you. You can believe what you want to believe. And so you can... <laughs> um, <laughs> come on, you guys are royalty. Sometimes you shouldn't have to walk. All right. So if you park, it's like, it's like $1.50, $1.75 an hour. Okay. So... Um, Park there in the left parking lot there, okay? So just down the aisle, down the, down the, the ramp to the right is the parking that you should be in. And then if you, in order to get to the beach we're going, we're going to Pirate's Cove. Say Pirate's Cove. How many of you guys have never been to Pirate's Cove before? Raise your hand. You know what? What are you talking about? It's a hidden beach. It's hidden. Nobody knows about it. And, and, and so you have to walk up and over the rocks, okay? Now, it's not dangerous, right? It's just everybody, know, most people know about it. It's not, it's not that hidden. And so you, but you have to walk up and over. So you're wondering where we are. That's where we're hidden, okay? We're hidden in God's little secret place called Pirate's Cove. And so that's where we're going to be. We're going to do church there. We're shutting this place down because we want everybody to be there, okay? It starts at what time? 10 a.m. 10 a.m. It's like we're going to go for about an hour and a half. Hang out if you want longer. If you got time, you just want to chill, make an afternoon of it, bring some lunch, bring a towel, bring some whatever you want. Amen? All right. Um, thank you. Ha ha. And, and if you can, we're going to be doing beach baptisms there, okay? So we just thought, let's just do, let's not, I don't want to add something to our day. Let's do it all there. So we're going to do, we're going to worship and we're going to baptize people. So how many of you guys, well, I won't even say it. There's, so there's already a number of people that have communicated to us. They want to get baptized. If you want to get baptized, you have to email Pastor Nicole, nicole at presenceoc.org. Presenceoc.org, nicole at presenceoc. So if you want to do that, you have to email her because we need you to show up a little bit early to brief you on what we're doing all that stuff, okay? Um, that's what we're doing there. Amen? amen? Why do I say amen? That's such a funny thing. And you get a free t-shirt if you get baptized. We got Presence OC t-shirts made. Come on. Okay. <laughs> if moving from death into life wasn't enough, you get a free t-shirt. All right. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Moving on. All right, Jesus. All right. Wow. All right. Okay. Let, pray for me. Ready? Um, Father, I thank you for this morning. Reach your hand out to me. It's a powerful morning. This is one of my favorite. This is the kind of mornings that I live for, where God shows up. There's like a holy, holiness to the moment, but there's also a joy, and there's also like electricity. Um, and so, God, this is a fun morning for me, God. God, I thank you for what you're doing. First service was powerful. I pray you just do it again. Increase everything you're doing, God, in everybody's life here, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to people in the room as I share this message. And, and I pray that lives would be changed and transformed. Come on. Amen. All right. 
All right, this is a, this is a big word for me. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Uh, we're going to dive into the Old Testament and Deuteronomy. How many guys are in the book of Deuteronomy right now? Anybody at all? No. Okay. <laughs> I spent a long time in the New Testament because um, I was just feeling that's where I was just drawn to. And then uh, a, a number of months ago, I started reading the story of Moses and Joshua, and I've just been looking at it ever since. And it's just been totally changing um, my life, impacting me. And so come on, Old Testament. Um, how many of you guys, I'm going to pull you into this a little bit. How many of you guys are in a place of uh, God is taking you into a place of freedom? Like, uh, yeah, just raise your hand. I'll say it that way first. Okay, cool. How many of you guys feel like you're getting, you're, you're in a place of like, man, this is difficult, I, and I need to get out of this place? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Awesome, awesome. Come on, we're all in these kind of places before. God is always, he's always exchanging where we're at for someplace better. He is the God of the upgrade. How do we know this? Because before you were dead, and he upgraded you into life. Okay, And so he doesn't just do that once in our life. He creates a habit of upgrading your beliefs, your heart, your, the, way you, the way you think, the way you love, the way you listen. He is always upgrading us. We call it learning. We call it process. And so you're always going to be a constant place of growing deeper in love with him and, and deeper in love with other people. Okay, um, This is why it's okay if you, do, if, you, if you mess up as a Christian because he knows Next month, you're going to be different. And next year, you're going to be further along. I know my three-year-old son, when he turns four, he's not going to look the same as he did when he turned three. You guys are going to look different in a year from now, okay? It's good to remind ourselves that. So what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about moving out of bondage or out of lack of freedom and into freedom, into our promises, the promises he has for us. And he has promises for everybody here. Okay, he says, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, right? So he has a plan for your life. So if, not, if you're not in the promised land yet, we're going to talk about that. He's taking you into the promised land. Everybody say, yes. Yes, yes. come on. Everybody say, promised land. Promise. Come on, we're going to be talking about the promised land. So we're going to go back in time through, um, through Moses and Joshua, and we're going to talk about their journey as they went from bondage into Egypt, from Egypt, all the way into the promised land, the land of Canaan. So as we get into this, though, I'm going to caveat a little bit. One thing that gets me really, really excited about this message is that when, when you read the stories, I want you to, and I'm, it's going to be simple because I'm going to pull out, the, I'm going to pull some of this stuff out. I'm going to pull out some of these things that, that point us to the gospel that point us to Jesus Christ because the Old Testament is there to, to remind us that we need a Savior. Uh, the, the, the Old Testament, the law's job was to point to a better covenant. The law's job was to remind us how much we need a Savior, that we can't save ourselves. And so the whole Old Testament, if you'd ask God, say, God, show me as I read the Old Testament where Jesus was prophesied about. Show me in the Old Testament where freedom for, for, um, for the slaves. And so through the, through the whole Old Testament, you're going to see a thread that is prophesying about the coming Savior. It's always been God's plan to lead us into freedom. So I get really excited about kind of pulling that out for us because I love, I love reading the Bible and kind of learning more about the Bible and getting excited about it. I'm going to be a mess up here. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a precursor to that. I get really excited, all right? It's just who I am. You're not going to change me. I'm just, it's just how I'm going to be, all right? All right. So the first thing we're going to talk about, just going to start from the beginning. So Moses, give you a say, if you're not used to the Bible, that's okay. So the Israelites ended up in Egypt after this long journey, right? And they ended up in Egypt, and they were under captivity. We've all seen the story of Moses and, um, uh, and in, the, in the Disney stories, right? What is it called? The Prince of Peace, that was called? Yeah. Prince of Egypt, yes. <laughs> I'm already a mess. All right. <laughs> And so they're in Egypt in captivity for hundreds of years. And so they literally, a whole generation is being, is being brainwashed into captivity. They don't know what it's like to have freedom. And so Moses talks with God and, and gets 
gets them free, takes them out of, right? God sets them free from Pharaoh and Moses becomes their leader. He's a little, he's learning, he's growing into this leadership position and he takes them out of Egypt, right? And he takes them through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. And once they get into the wilderness, that's when the fun really starts, right? Because that's when the grumbling and the complaining begins. And they're like, what do you mean? Why are we, why are we in the wilderness, Moses? <laughs> we, we at least had predictability back in, in, in Egypt. Like, what is, and so God starts answering their, their grumblings and he gives them food. And so every day God actually gives the Israelites manna, food, bread, every single morning. And at the end of that day, that food goes bad. And so you can't eat it. So it's literally daily. He's giving them their daily bread. And he provides for them in this, in this place of the desert. But God didn't want to keep them in the desert, did he? God actually wants to take them through the desert. And so God takes them. Moses takes them up to the land of, of, of uh, the land of, of, the, uh, of the, the promised land, Canaan. And he releases a couple spies into the promised land. And, and, and Joshua, one of these people that's kind of following us, I think, I think it's like Moses' intern. And, and, and Joshua, <laughs> and Joshua's one of these guys that, that just has a lot of faith and a lot of belief, right? And so he gets sent into the promised land with a couple other, with, with another team of people, right? So you got two like, like Navy SEAL teams, right? Navy SEAL teams going into this land and they're scoping it out, right? So you got these two, two teams, SEAL Team 1 and SEAL Team 2. Um, and so everybody talks about SEAL Team 6, but there's actually other teams, just so you know. And so these other teams are going into this promised land and they're scoping out the land and they come back, right? And Moses is talking to these teams and he says, what'd you find out? And so, so Joshua comes back and this other people come back and Joshua says, listen, we got this. We got this. There's some giants in the land, but they're not that big and the land is really good. Like this, this land is our land. This is the land that God has for us. He's gonna get us there. And then the other team comes in and and Moses says, what did you guys see? And they said, we saw these giants. We saw these giant people. There's no way we can defeat them. In fact, I'm a little, I'm, I'm afraid to even go back in there. Don't send me back. I don't, they didn't say that. But you can imagine they're scared, right? They're like, that's some good land, Moses, but we can't go in that land. And so Moses says, okay. So God sees the, the fear and the unbelief. And he says, and, and so he causes his people to go back into the desert to relearn how to trust God. And so they go back into the desert and, and 40 years later, they come back out and, and they're ready now to try again. And, and that's why I want to pick the story up. So Moses, so at this point, they're, they're, they're tired, they're hungry, and they're, and they're thirsty. And so they're asking for water. And so Moses says, God, they need water. And Moses, Moses then, he, he, he asks God for water. And God says, take your staff, and I want you to speak to this rock and, and water will come out. And so Moses says, okay, you got it. And so, he, so him and Aaron, Aaron's his, uh, his associate pastor, and, and him, <laughs> just keeping you alive. And so, and, so, and so him and Aaron have this idea that they're gonna, that, and they say, they say, hey, everybody, we're gonna give you water. And they hit the rock twice with their staff. But it's like Simon didn't say that. Right? Simon said, speak to it. God spoke to him. And so Moses and Aaron took it upon themselves to let everybody know they're, they're going to set, they're, we're going to give you a water. Well, so they hit it twice. And I can, just, I can just imagine the mercy and the goodness of God. He gave them water anyway. Isn't that beautiful? Right? Grumbling, upset, thirsty, ungrateful. And, he, and they, they, even, they didn't even follow God right. And he still gave them water. Oh, thank you, God. Sometimes we're just idiots. And, and he still shows up. Hallelujah. Okay. But God comes in and says, Moses, I didn't tell you to do that. And because you didn't listen to me, I can't have you guys lead, I can't have you lead up my people into the promised land. And so Moses, Moses, so God actually takes Moses. And at some point, let me get back to our scriptures where we're at. I'm going to read some in Deuteronomy and then in Joshua. Oh. <laughs> I told you, I'm just going to be a mess up here. It's so good. Okay, where was I? My notes are crucial. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, Deuteronomy 34. You don't have to follow me because I'm going to move a little bit. Um, okay, and if we could read words on this thing, we'd put them up there easier. But 
I can't do that to you guys. Okay, so verse um, Deuteronomy 34. It says, I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, this is God, I will give it to your descendants. So he's saying, I am going to deliver your descendants into the promised land. Um, and I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. And so God actually leads him up on this mountain that's opposite the promised land. So Moses goes up on this mountain and he looks at the promised land. I'm just going to give you context, right? He's looking at it and he can see it. And then God says this. He says, uh, says, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he, God, buried him in the valley in the land of Moab. God buried Moses. Isn't that amazing? I just, I don't know. I, th- I think about that stuff. Who buried Moses? God did. How does that happen? Does God just like come down? I don't know. Okay. He's, maybe this is like, Moses, dig a hole and get in it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's horrible. Okay. <laughs> Who was thinking that? But really, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he, he <laughs> and although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim nor his vigor abated. Listen, Moses was 120 years old. Some people believe that Moses would have lived forever because of the glory that he had seen. Because remember, Moses saw God pass before him. Moses was one of the most glory-driven people in the Bible. And so some people believe that because he had been in such a presence of God and his kindness, that he wouldn't have passed away, so God had to bury him. I don't know. And so, but, but his eyes didn't go dim, so he didn't grow old. So if you're wondering, like, man, these aches and pains, like, is that, is that just growing old? Is that growing pains? No, it's not. There's a superior covenant. The Israelites walked through the desert. Their clothes didn't, didn't wear out. There was no sickness in the desert. All right, we're not preaching about that, but if that's you, take it. Um, I'm, I'm 39, and I'm, I'm, I'm making some of those noises now, you know. Those, those noise, you, know, you know, if you're over, I don't know, whatever age, but you're like, Am I, I'm making different noises now. Like trying to get up, like, ah. And Jessica's like, you make a lot of noises. I'm like, really? I didn't make any noises. Ask your wife. All right. Okay, so Moses. Moses is buried. Now, I'm going to pause here. Because this, this is where I want to introduce where it really gets good. Moses is a representation of the law. How do we know this? Because Moses went up on the mountain and he got the tablets and he spoke to God and God gave him rules and the law. And so he comes down with the Ten Commandments with the law. And, and so Moses will represent for us in the story as the law, as our old covenant, as the old nature. And so who took the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses did. So we're looking at this out of captivity. The law lets us know that we need a savior. The law is letting us know that we are unrighteous. No one is righteous, not one. And so Mo- Moses takes his people out of, e- out, of the, out of Egypt. But what can the law not do? The law cannot save us. It can't make us righteous. The law and all of its works, all the rules of following these rules of being good enough, uh, reading your Bible enough, praying enough, all that stuff will never make us righteous people. It will never, it will never make us right standing with God, although we're going to try our best, aren't we? But it's his grace, it's Jesus Christ's blood, what we were talking about, that actually makes us into right standing with the Father. And so Moses tried to take his people, but God's like, no, I can't have the law lead people into their promised land. And so who do we have leading next? Joshua. Joshua, the very name Joshua is the same name, Yeshua. It's just a different, so, so Jesus, Joshua, it's, Joshua is a type of Jesus in the Old Testament. And so who's going to take them into the promised land? Come on. (laughs) This is so good. It gets so much better, though. Our good works and abilities will never get us into God's love. The law is unable to save us. Here's the cool part. Listen, when you get saved, your past not only is forgiven, it's forgotten. Hebrews 8, 12, it says, for I will forgive their iniquities and remember their sins no more. Who knows? And, and so I love, I love it. Says, it says Moses was buried, but no man knows his burial place to this day. 
I love it. It's like literally like God doesn't want your past to ever be found. That he, that if Moses represents our old nature, our past, our, the law, the works mentality, God says, there's so much of this. I don't want ever to follow you into the promised land. I'm going to bury it. And you don't even know where it's at. <laughs> oh, that fires me up. All right. <laughs> so practically, stop trying to dig up Moses. Stop trying to find where your old nature was buried. You're like, wow, I thought he saved me, but I still, I still struggle with all these things. Listen, the gospel is all about, stop, stop thinking about, here's what happens. We say, I struggle with that stuff, and we look at it enough that we start to identify with it all over again. Listen, if Moses led them into the promised land, he would be a constant reminder of captivity. And so we had to let that die in the old land. All right, come on. I told you she's getting better, so. <laughs> now I'm working against the clock. All right. Um, <laughs> just, all right, I have a lot of fun up here. So Joshua takes over, and, and so what does he do? Well, the first things he does is he has to cross, he has to cross the Nile, or I'm sorry, not the Nile, the, the Jordan. But before he does that, I love this part. I want to say this part. So God commissions Joshua into leadership. How many of you guys are getting ready to be commissioned into a new season? Maybe you're moving into a new leadership position. Maybe there's a new place of freedom that you're not sure about because all you remember is my old self. Here's God's advice. You ready? He says, um, <laughs> he says just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. This is Joshua 1, uh, verse, getting in close to verse 6. He says, I will not fail you or forsake you. God says to you, I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. When you're having problems, I challenge you to ask God this. God, are you going to fail me? We don't say that because religion says, of course he's not. He's God. But I'm telling you, we're thinking it. And so ask him. It's powerful because he'll, he'll respond. He'll answer you. And, and you might just get really blasted on his answer. I remember I asked God, God, are you going to let me down? And he says, Jesse, I don't even know what that means. I, I've never learned to let people down. It's not even in my vernacular. Like you say, God, are you going to let me down? And it sounds like tongues. I don't know. Like, it's like, I, listen, God cannot let you down. It's impossible. He can't be unfaithful to who he is. So God says this, I will be with you. And then he says, I will not fail or forsake you. Now he says this, be strong and courageous for you shall give the people possession of the land. And then he says this, only be strong and very create courageous. And then you skip down and you got to start to wonder how much of a fearful guy Joshua was because he says it again. And he says, be strong. He says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Man, you know, the women's conference said, the women had a, a, a big gathering on Friday that, uh, uh, that I'm sure a bunch of us guys wanted to infiltrate, but it was called, it's called, was it Holy Confidence? That's where they get this from. Maybe not, I don't know if they were thinking about this, but that's where this is. As God's plan for you is to be strong and courageous because I am with you. And so if you're looking for confidence, that's where our confidence lies. Not in your education, not in your preparedness, not in all the other things that are actually really good places of wisdom to grow in. But he says, be strong for I am with you. I will not forsake you. I won't let you down. So apparently Joshua needed that. So if you've ever needed that, you're in good company. All right. So Joshua now, with this, with this marching order of being courageous, he kicks, he kicks out every insecurity and every thought that says, I can't do this, and he marches forward, and he sends his people across the Jordan. Now, let's look at the Jordan. <laughs> the Jordan, so verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 14. So Joshua commands the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant ahead of him. Okay, now just context-wise, this is the Ark of the Covenant. This, is, this was for them, this was God's presence. When they say, God, go with us, it was this presence that what they carried throughout the desert. 
And it's also called the Ark of the Testimony, meaning that the testimony of what God's done, he will do it again. And so they follow the testimonies of God. This is why we share testimonies in church, because we're called to follow the testimonies. Because it prophesies what he still wants to do more of. So they're, they're, they're following God's presence, which is always a good idea. And they, they really did it. And so they follow it. And the priests are going into the Jordan. Now let's pick it up there. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to cross the Jordan with the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And when those who carried the Ark came into the Jordan and the feet of the priests carrying the Ark were dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of harvest. So picture this. You've got these priests. I'm sure they were like, you know, buff dudes. Probably not. Um, they probably just hung out and prayed all day. And they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant and they come up against the Jordan. Now, you might think like, oh, it's like this river I've seen. That's like the river jetties, right? It's like you got nice shores. And no, this is an overflowing, fast moving, flooded river. It's flooded. It's scary. It's long. It's wide. It, it, it flows into the Dead Sea. It's, it's a big river. And so, and the, uh, so, bah, 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 bah. that wasn't tongues, unless you have an interpretation. All right. <laughs> okay. Jesus. All right. For the Jordan overflows at its banks all the days of the harvest. The waters which were flowing down from above, they stood up and rose up in one heap a great distance away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those which were flowing down towards the sea of the Arabeth. And so this was totally cut off. You can imagine, it's just like, just like the Red Sea with Moses. Now it's Joshua. And he walks through, and, and, and they, they plant the Ark of the Covenant right in the middle of this thing, and all the Israelites will get to walk past this miracle, the testimony of what God is doing in the midst of them. They don't have to remember what he did. They're seeing it. You could even say that miracles create breakthrough in new seasons. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're pretty strong. Like, God, I want to see your miracles today. Not 2,000 years ago, not 100 years ago, today. Okay, I'm going to pause here and we're going to go back to the gospel. Here's, here's what's going on, guys. So Joshua, right, type of Jesus, he calls the, the Ark of the Covenant, they're following God out of captivity and into the promised land. And, 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 and what do they have to cross? They have to cross the Jordan. And so what happens is that they, let's make sure I don't, I'm not going to miss anything. There's so many good things. So Joshua takes, takes control. And as they're walking through the Jordan, I want you to remember of what the Israelites were thinking when they walked through the Jordan. The Jordan was a fast-moving, massive river that actually flowed into the Dead Sea. And that the mouth of the Jordan, the Dead Sea, was actually called, I think, the mouth of death or something. I, we, my, somebody actually came up to me and told me that after the first service. And so for them, the Jordan was almost synonymous with this with death, right? The Dead Sea, death. So they're looking to walk through the Jordan. And so they're walking through death. It, death is splitting open and they're walking through it. Where to remember this in the gospel? That Jesus, when he was crucified, he went down into hell, got the keys to death, and he rose into everlasting life and bought everlasting life for us. And so you have the people that are walking from bondage and old nature and all their old stuff. They walk through the Jordan, through death, and they come out on the other side. But that's not it. It's gets so much better. The Jordan. Who was baptized in the Jordan? Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Even John didn't want to. He's like, no, no, I can't untie your sandals. You baptize me. And Jesus says, no, I have to be baptized by you. And so we have the, even, even back in, in Joshua, in the, in the Old Testament, they're, they're, they're lobbing these bombs that are just like, just get ready because the New Testament is coming. The new covenant is coming, and so there's a baptism. And so all of, all of uh, uh, Israel is being baptized into this new promised land, out of their death, out of the place of death, out of captivity. How many of you guys just, we need to get into life. And so they're moving into this. We're getting baptized. We're doing baptisms next week. Baptisms next week. So if you're, I'm excited about baptisms. It, it's, it's, a, it's a celebration. It's a, it's a powerful declaration and, a, and, a, and an act that we're going to transfer people from death into life. And the Israelites, they would know that walking into this place. 
It, it, it really does get better. So, oh, I love it. Galatians 3.24 says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified to faith. That the law got us, toward, got us close to Christ, but Christ took us all the way through. And this is, why we, this is why the cross and the blood, this is why that's so important. Because it was Christ on the cross that bought and paid for all of our freedom. Depression, anxiety, uh, anger, weird stuff that we just find ourselves in, right? And it's his grace. It's the cross. It's walking through. It's being baptized into him. And so they get on the other side. And the, this is awesome, guys. The, the first thing they do... Um, uh, <laughs> the first thing he does when we go into the new, when he goes into the new land is, he, is God tells everybody to be circumcised. He says, I want you to be circumcised. Now listen, in the, in the old, most of the generations that left Egypt are gone. And, and, and all the people that were circumcised are dead. And so you have this whole new group of people, right, that are ready to move in. It's like the millennials, right? We're about, I'm just kidding. And so we're just, we're about to, we're, we're bringing this whole new place of this, this tribe of people. And so God says, I need them to be baptized. Why? Because, because I need to mark them. I need to mark them. And so in the Old Testament, they circumcised people to set them apart. Well, I love this. So it actually says, uh, Colossians 2. 210, it says, and you've been made complete in Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. And then it says this, in him you were also circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature in, with the circumcision performed by Christ and not by human hands and having been buried with him in baptism. Do you see, it's, 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 it's all right there. They're walking through death. They're being baptized in the Jordan. They're walking into circumcision. My, my team's laughing at me. I love it. When you, and having been buried with him in baptism, you were raised with him through your faith in the power of God, believing who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your, of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ. He buried your old nature on some hill that nobody knows where it is. And he brought you through baptism. And it wasn't enough, so he had to set you apart with the circumcision of your heart. This is how you know you're saved, that you don't want to sin anymore. That sin isn't fun anymore. Or at least when you're done sinning, it's not fun. You feel, you feel, you feel regret. You feel remorse, and you should. There's, there's things when we do the wrong thing, there should be a place of guilt in our hearts. Otherwise, it's not on. You shouldn't feel shame. You shouldn't feel condemnation. But, but, but there, there should be a place of conviction in our hearts. And that's how you know you have salvation in your heart. So if someone says, brother, I don't think I'm saved. Like, I keep doing this stuff. Well, do you hate your doing it? Well, yeah. It's like, cool, you're saved. Hallelujah, brother. You've got a heart for God. This is the row, isn't it? Come on, Jesus. All right. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you guys give me a lot of grace up here. Thanks for letting me be me. Um, okay. So, <laughs> it actually gets even better. So, after that, he takes people into the promised land, and they have Passover together, right? They observe the feast, and when they're done with that, oh, no, that was the circumcision, right? Okay, so then they have the circumcision. After that, they take him into the promised land, and they start to eat of the fruit of the promised land. They start to eat of freedom. They taste freedom. They, they, get in, they, they start to feel what it feels like. They, they, they've got the message from God, right? Like he's proven himself trustworthy. It's the grace of God and he shows up in your life when you didn't deserve it. But he's not doing it for any old reason. He's trying to build trust and he's trying to build connection with us so that the next time we see a Jordan, we're not afraid. And, and he did it again and again for the Israelites. And so he gets it. They start to eat of this beautiful fruit and stuff. And guess what happens? All of that welfare system went away. The bread, the daily bread stops showing up. 
He stops giving them daily manna. Why? Why? I think it's because, because that was their old life. In a life of bondage, you're, you're holy, like, you're, you're wondering where my next meal's going to come from. I'm like, I don't even believe in myself right now. But when you come into the land of plenty, when you come into your promises, when you come into freedom, he wants you to act differently. What, what fed you before won't feed you now. And, and, and what, what you relied on before can't rely on it. Listen, he doesn't want to have a life where you're waiting for him to lift every little hard thing for you. He wants to take you into a place where you're going to co-labor in the fields, where you're going to pick the fruits with him, where you're going to enjoy the stuff with him. There's like, it's just a whole new paradigm. As a side note, I wanted to speak this into you guys. Like sometimes when we get free of something, like I'll minister to people and, and, and I, I, it was a really amazing um, woman I recently connected with and, and I, I asked her, she says, yeah, I'm, I'm having a really hard time. I said, well, do you know, what the, do you know what the lie is? And she goes, well, I think so. I said, well, let's ask God. And you guys can do this with your friends, okay? It's not like level 10 Christianity. This is, this is beginning relationship with God. And so I just sat down. And I said, hey, just ask God this. Just say, God, well, what's the lie? And she goes, God, what's the lie? And um, that's not how she talked, but, <laughs> but thank you, Chloe. <laughs> what's, what's the lie? And, and, and God spoke to her and told her the lie she was believing that was causing her difficulty and stuff. And we said, cool, that's all right. Lies don't set us free. We get that, right? In fact, by, by the way, looking at your past and looking at your dysfunctions doesn't set you free. Looking at your, your difficult places doesn't set you free. What sets us free, church? What sets us free? Come on, this is a bigger deal than that. What sets us free? There's nothing else that sets us free. So we have to get truth. So when you, know, when you find out what the lie is, don't stop there and look at it. Father, now what's the truth? What's the truth about the situation? God, I tr the, the, the lie is you're not going to provide for me. I'm going to be homeless or penniless or whatever. What's the truth? Well, I just heard him say that he's always going to be my provider. How does that feel? Like, oh, that's true. And so we take the truth and we run with it as a vision for our lives. But the problem I keep finding, I'm going to throw this here. This is going to be free. It's not quite the message. But we see the truth, and, so, and yet we still feel like we're, we're like back in bondage. And so we'll know the truth that sets us free, and we'll keep having our stuck problems. And so we go back into inner healing. Or we go back into this place of like, I'm broken. I don't know what to do. No, you know what to do. You have, you, you, you went into this inner place with God to find out what the truth was, which is what inner healing's for. And now it's trying to fight. It's time to fight for that place of freedom. Freedom is, is free to get into. His grace will set you free. But there is a place where you have to cultivate and you have to steward the word that he's giving you. And so some of us have a word from the Lord that he's going to be my provider. But every time you go to work, I'm afraid. Or every time I'm looking for a word from God, I'm looking for work and I don't have work. So I'm really, I'm starting to doubt this word that he gave us. Are you really free? I think so. You're not the scared little boy that you were before you got freedom, before you got truth. And so there's a place in the promise and I believe of walking out these places of freedom, Right? And sometimes that just looks like stopping and saying, you know what, God, what's truth right now? I didn't believe it yesterday, but I'm going to believe it today. And that's what I mean by working, um, working, man, stewarding our freedom. Because the enemy will continually try to remind you where Moses is buried. He will keep trying to remind you the lie that is more powerful than the truth. And so you have to develop a relationship with God where you can stop and say, nope, I've got to steward this truth. And I don't believe it right now, but I will. Father, remind me again what the truth is. What I don't want you to do, church, is I don't want you to go back across the Jordan and recheck your steps. Don't go back in your old nature. Don't go back wondering, am I really set free? Did I really hear God? Does he really love me? Does he really believe in me? Yes, Joshua, be strong and courageous. So sometimes you have to fight for it. It's just, it's a good thing. It's, you're not fighting for your identity. You're not fighting to be loved. You're not fighting for who you are in Christ. That is undisputed. But he wants to grow us into mature Christians. And mature Christians, we're not struggling with the same thing we did a year ago. Why? Because we believe truth. Amen? All right.
glory. I think I'm close. <laughs> it's good. You know, this is a story about moving from fear, anxiety, bondage, addictions, whatever, and moving into places of freedom. For some of us, freedom is glimpses. For some of us, it's our normal life. And then God upgrades us into a new place of influence and it becomes hard again. Listen, be strong and courageous. And fight for those places of freedom. Right now, my family, I'm gonna end with a story. I, I, we're, we're doing a remodel right now in our house. One of my dreams actually is to build our own house. And that might come true in the future, but right now we're just remodeling a room. So hallelujah, it's a, it, I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs> we got, the, we got the, 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 uh, the cloud, the side of a fist. We got something, right? I'm, I'm thankful. And so we're doing this remodel and I've heard that remodels are horrible things to walk through. And I'm like, uh-uh, nope, I've got good beliefs. <laughs> this is gonna be an awesome remodel. It's gonna be better than I ever imagined. God, you're gonna do things in my heart in this remodel. You're gonna upgrade me also. And so I'm, I'm ready, I'm prepared. I've got truth, right? I've got good beliefs. I went into the promised land and I came back with, with, with hope. And then it started. And, and I, we met the engineer that was going to, we're taking out a wall, so we have to do some engineering. And he's like, it'll, I'm like, what does it take? Two weeks to do the engineering and get the plans drawn? He says, no, it takes about a month. I'm like, a month? It's just mathematics. Come on now. Like, I can do mathematics. And so apparently it's more than that. If you're an engineer, I, I salute you. And so, <laughs> and so he's like, no, it'll be a month. And I'm like, well, Lord, I'm a little frustrated right now but you're good. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be better than I think. And so I wait the four weeks and I say, hey, how are we coming on this? And, um, and, and he's like, and he didn't respond. Uh, another, five weeks pass. Where are you at on this? Can you give me a, can you toss me a bone? I just need to see where we're at in the, in the design. I want to keep moving. I got a dream. I got a promise over my life. And so, and of course, he didn't respond again. After six weeks, he says, I'm, I'm just a little behind on some projects, but I'm working on it hard. I'm like, Okay, okay. Jesus, I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. I'm, I'm speaking to myself like, God, you told me this is going to be better than I think. This doesn't feel like it. This feels like worse than I think, but I, I'm going to trust you. And so, and so, we, so I, we keep walking down this road and, and eight weeks go and nine, ten, and three months into this, into this one month promise. By the way, yet your yet, let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. All right, if you're an optimist, stop over-promising things. I learned that with my wife. I'll be home in 15 minutes, 45 minutes later, again and again and again. Lord, help us. I love optimists. Okay. <laughs> and so three, three months pass. Oh, and by the way, the plans changed from what I heard they were going to be. And, and the worst case scenario started flooding into my mind. You guys ever have that? Didn't think so. And so... And so I start, there's like, there's posts going in the middle of the room. I mean, I'm thinking like, it's like, this is horrible. I'm going to have to, I literally am calling other engineers to hoping they can undo this mess. And I'm just discouraged. And, and the Lord speaks to me. When I say speaks to me, just so you guys know, it's not like this audible thing where I'm like on the floor shaking or I had a dream and it just came to me and Art, Michael the Ark. No, no, it's just, I'm just, I'm just hanging out with him. I'm just sharing that I'm frustrated. Hey God, I'm frustrated. He says, Jesse, listen to me. And he goes, he goes, Jesse, I need you to win. I need you to win. I, I need you to stay connected to the beliefs that you have about this project. I need you to win. And so now I'm looking at this remodel as a bit of a race. That when we get to the end, and I don't, clearly I don't know where the end is. <laughs> I want to finish that race full of joy full of hope, full of peace, and full of love for engineers everywhere. Because <laughs> it was not looking that way. <laughs> engineers are the devil. I don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with engineers. No. Um, <laughs> powers and principalities and engineers. <laughs> um, <laughs> come on, you've got your list. Don't give me that. All right. So, <laughs> but Lord, my wife, no, I'm just kidding. All right, so, <laughs> and, I, and it's been an incredible process that every time I feel like a door gets shut or changed or my expectations are thrown, there's an invitation for me. 
and I hear the word's voice saying, Jesse, I need you to win. Now, that may not resonate with you guys, the whole winning thing, but him and I have a past. And there's something, like we've talked about winning and what winning looks like for me and him. And for me and him, it looks like radical peace, joy. It means that when I see that engineer down the road in a coffee shop, I can go up to him with a pure heart and ask him how he's doing and maybe minister the gospel to him. It means that I'm not closing the door of my heart because I'm frustrated and offended what God's not doing. That I'm in the desert eating manna every day when I should be eating milk and honey or something. And so I want to challenge this church. Run this race well. And it's a battle. Some people like, it's a battle. Some people it's a race. Some people it's a walk in the park. I don't know. Whatever it is that you're in, it's that for you. But I want to I give us a couple questions. And you can write them down if you want, if you're that kind of a person. Just remember them. I want to give us a couple questions because I want to highlight some, some practicalness to this. One thing I love what Joshua did when he went into the promised land, he had the right beliefs about who God was in his life. He trusted him. He believed him. So when he came out of that trial, that, the, the giants, land of the giants, he came back with a good report. What are the beliefs that you need to change in your life? Maybe just pick one, that when God is taking you into the promised land, into places of freedom, what belief has to switch so that you can walk this out? So that you don't get scared, so that you don't want to go back over into bondage. What new belief do you need to have to enter into this promised land that God has given to you? Because you are that same blessed and favored people that he talks about. Why don't you guys stand with me now? I'm going to pray for us. Just put your hand on your heart. If you feel like, man, I'm stepping into freedom and I'm excited. There's promises over my life. If that's you, put your hand on your heart. If, 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 if you're in a place of lack of freedom and you know it, put your hand on your heart because we're crossing the Jordan. Father, I, just, I bless this whole community, God. I love the word of graduation because we're going to graduate into new places of breakthrough and freedom. Lord, that we're graduating into places where people won't recognize us. They'll think, didn't you used to get really angry when things didn't go your way? And you'll say, yes, I did. I used to be that person. And I'm not anymore. I want to ask you guys, do you believe that you are enough, that God chose you for a purpose to walk in freedom, to walk with him into the promised land, to take down Jerichos, to build families, to, to, read, to, to do life well? Are you enough? Do you believe that you're enough, that God wants to walk with you? He doesn't want to take you into the, in the just enough life of daily manna. He wants to take you into the more than enough of the promised land. Do you believe you're worth it? Do you believe he's chosen you for this? Because he has. So just speak that to your heart. Say, I'm enough. God, you're in me. We're doing this together. Jesus. And I want to tell some of you guys need to hear this, that you've never been in this place before. You've never been in this new job before. You've never had this place of responsibility before. You've never walked in this land before. It's new to you. And so give yourself lots of grace to figure out what you need to figure out to keep moving forward. Don't be hard on yourself. Don't be condemned. Don't be shamed. But move forward. Be strong and courageous. I'll just read that again. It says, I will not fail or forsake. I won't let you down. But be strong and courageous. Only be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you, my son and daughter? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Come on.
And I want you to just, let's just thank him for truth. Thank him for breakthrough. Thank him for where he has you right now. Just lift your voice right now. God, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you're so good. God, you're so amazing that you did this whole thing throughout history to prove to us that you have a plan for our lives in freedom. And freedom, God. Thank you, Lord, that we're going to walk this out in the promised land. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Just give him a shout. Give him a cheer. Amen. Amen. Come on. Jesus. Come on. Listen, we're doing baptisms next week, and some of you guys got baptized as a two-year-old or a three-year-old, and you didn't have the faith that went along with baptism. I don't want to make a weird thing that we all get to be baptized a hundred times because we're feeling it that day. Like, it's not about that. But I want you to ask God if, you, if, if he would have you be baptized. In the New Testament, there were people in the book of Acts that said, they'd ask him, have you been baptized? And he says, well, yeah, the baptism of John. And he says, well, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so if, you're, if that's something that's on your heart, I'm not going to tell people to do it or make something. If, if you feel like, man, I've been baptized and I'm free. I love it. I want, can't wait to come and, and watch people be baptized and cheer them on. That's awesome. But we're going to be doing baptisms next week. I'd love it if we all came out and celebrated Christ, celebrated um, new life, celebrated this place in our church. How cool is it that we get a word about graduating and the very next service we're doing something radically different, more different than we normally do. And, and we're going to the beach and we're doing something that, that it was in, almost in remembrance of the Jesus movement. So Father, we love you, God. We love you. Can I have the prayer team come on up? If, you're, if you need prayer today that you just still need, need prayer, come on up when we're done here. Hey, last thing, guys. I want to do this. I want to make space for this. If you're here... If you're here, listen, if you're here and you, you, don't, you don't have a close relationship with God, you've never given your life to him, you've never, you've never, had, your, you've never had that feeling in your heart that says, I, I don't like sinning anymore. You've never had that feeling where, of remorse when you disappointed, when you disappointed the, the God and, and just and stepping away. It's like, you just, I need to get right with God. I need God in my life. If you've never been saved, if, if you've fallen away from God and you're just like, I need to get right with him, I want you to come up here and get prayer as soon as we're done here. These guys are incredible. They, they see miracles. We see miracles every Sunday. Each one of them has stories they could tell you. I want you to come up and I want you to get prayer and get a word from the Lord if you need to because this church believes in the power of God showing up to change everything. All right. Amen. Well, have a great weekend, you guys. We'll see you not here next week. We'll see you at the beach. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.